Canucks Central Thursday. We are in the portable Kintec studio as we are live from Rogers Arena. The Kintec studio is on the road today. Canucks and Seattle cracking for the third preseason game, but the second preseason game day here of September. Canucks Central is brought to you by Grip Auto, entire quality service you can trust, and 14 locations to serve you. Sat, what's happening? Not much, man. Just hanging out, chilling. Yep. Um, and uh, you know why I don't have a lot of dairy? Why is that? It, it doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> I had some dairy okay. today, and I just had a coughing fit right before we uh, went on air. It, it was kind of gross. I felt bad for Dan. I'm apologizing before we went yeah. on air. But, yeah, so, I mean, outside of that, it's just a reminder of why I, I – I, I should really stay, stay away from the dairy. Still having a better day than Frankie Lasagna, though. Mm, poor Frankie. It seems like a name out of The Sopranos. Anyways, <laughs> I don't. I don't even. I don't even want to get into it. Yeah, uh, the yet. man who had a million dollars in his glove on his fingertips. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, but there's a game to talk about. 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw, producer Josh Elliott Wolf, back at Mission Control. So okay. Few interesting storylines for the Canucks going into tonight's game sat. And look, more than some of the camp battles, what I'm most intrigued because we weren't at uh, training camp in Whistler, I'm most intrigued to see uh, OEL and Quinn Hughes play as a pair tonight. It's been the most talked about combination throughout training camp. Yeah. And even before training camp, and even throughout the summer, there were whispers about Quinn Hughes testing it out on the right side. OEL maybe even playing the right side. It's been one of those, you know, kind of storylines that's been simmering for months upon months. And tonight, finally, against the Seattle Kraken, we get our first live preseason look at what it looks like. So. Uh, good preseason look against uh, what is slated to be a pretty young roster for the Seattle Kraken. But Shane Wright is apparently going to play for Seattle tonight, so their star draft pick will be in their lineup as we know right now. However, you know, for as much as we've talked about Quinn playing the right side and what it does and how it helps this team, what it's going to look like, what else kind of happens if they do go forward with this, uh, Bruce Boudreaux casually mentioned this might be the last time we see it in preseason. This is uh, Bruce Boudreaux after the morning skate today. Well, we'll see him one more time, uh, at least on the right side. I mean, uh, uh, he's getting really comfortable with it. He, he moves to the middle and gets a shot away quicker from there. Uh, that's great. I mean, uh, uh, also interested more to see uh, on how Pullman reacts and probably he'll be playing all the games is going to be more of an indication whether Quinn plays the right side or not. So Bruce Boudreaux, uh, for as much as uh, we've looked at this as an experiment that they want to go forward with, essentially just said tonight's the last time we see it, at least in preseason, Mm -hmm. and then throws out it's completely dependent on whether or not Tucker Pullman stays healthy through the preseason is able to start the year. Who would have guessed that Tucker Pullman was going to be the linchpin to the Canucks defense heading into the season? Unbelievable. Not me. Not me. <laughs> no. Look at us. Yeah. Uh, what we are here now. This is. I mean, 
and, and tonight, we get to see Tucker Pullman as well, and we'll see what he looks like, how he reacts to playing a game and all those sort of things. Next to Danny DeKaiser. Yes, and we'll see how Danny DeKaiser – hey, maybe Danny DeKaiser, after a few days off. Less and nervous. After, <laughs> less nervous for a veteran NHL defenseman. Maybe he plays better tonight. So yes. we'll see where, where his game is at. But So the other thing that he said, if – they keep saying if around Tucker Pullman. For all the talk about – He's healthy. Even Jim Rutherford, when he was with us last week, yeah. said if Pullman's healthy when he was talking about the defense. And so I think what what they mean by that is Pullman holding up. Yes. And so far he has, but he hasn't played a preseason game yet. You know, he's played in scrimmages, he's been in training camp, he's practiced. This is another test here. So they're going to give, as Boudreaux said there, plan is to probably play Pullman in the rest of the preseason games. Yeah, to see how ready he is, and can he play, and, and, and can he take on that type of a role. And if he is ready, then, well, if you do keep Hughes on the right side, two things happen. One, it becomes more complicated on the right side if everybody's healthy. We talked about this. Does this mean all of a sudden you're moving somebody else to mm-hmm. the left side? That's a righty. Maybe it's a Luke Shen type. Because so, if you have Hughes on the right side, then you've got Myers, Pullman, Shen as right-sided defensemen, and one is going to be mm-hmm. left out unless they move over to the left side. And then you have Jack Rathbone in the equation as yes. well. You know, where does he kind of fit in on this? And, and I do think with Rathbone, and I mentioned this before, like they, they want to give him a real chance here to play on this yeah. team and maybe play a decent role for this squad. So he has a chance to get in there. Now, it's easier for him to maybe get a meaningful spot if Hughes plays the right side. But there are a lot of questions that come into this. But my general takeaway from all this, and a lot of it is hinging on Pullman's health, and that's to be determined over the course of the preseason, it's the versatility it provides if you have the option of being able to play Quinn Hughes on the right side. If you have the option of, you know what, now we can load up OEL and Hughes, and it's go time because we're down two goals late in the game. We can shorten things up, and now we can kind of come up here with our nuclear kind of line, our nuclear option on the back end. That's a good thing to have in your back pocket. It's uh, it's interesting you say that because I think about it and it's like, yeah, okay, uh, we'll throw Rathbone with Myers, Hughes, and OEL, and our top six is going to be we'll we'll move Pedersen back onto the wing, and it's like, you know, yeah. just throw your your six most talented six most talented forwards and four most talented defensemen, and see how long they can get after it, and cobble together a third line to give everybody a breather uh, now and again. That's, you know, we've seen other teams do it. We've seen Edmonton sort of do that. They really shorten their bench when they're down a goal. Um, It's not really an option the Canucks have had because there's only a certain amount of depth they've Mm -hmm. had, but I guess that could be part of it is how versatile can we get with this lineup and what we can what can we do in emergency situations? And when your team isn't built perfectly and you still have some flaws and the back end isn't, you know, we've had the discussion, is it really a bad defense? Is it average or whatever it is? But I think everybody can agree on the fact that it's it's not the most cohesive unit. It's yeah. very, like, even as we've been sitting here talking about stuff, we're talking about playing a, a lefty on the right side potentially. We're talking about... Do you play Rathbone with Myers? Like, what's the natural fit? So the pieces haven't yet really fused together well enough, and that's the biggest problem, I think, with the back end. It's You can have a back end that is somewhat average or maybe somewhat below average, but if you get the right pairings, then they, they, then they can become greater than the sum of their parts. And I think that is a possibility for certain teams if you find the right balance. The problem has been finding that right balance outside of Hughes and Shen, which worked really well last year, 
And at times, or at least for the first half of the season, OEL and Meyer is working well together. Now, maybe you go back to that, and that's an easy top four, and you hope Dermot and Pullman can work, or Rathbone and Pullman can work, and maybe that alleviates a lot of your concerns about the defense. But it's not an easy fit. So how do you find an extra edge here and there? And I think part of being able to be a good regular season team is being able to put your best players on the ice and take advantage of that at times. And last year, the years before, you never saw that option happen as much. Now you maybe go with Horvat, Pedersen, and Miller on a line. Maybe you go the lotto line again, yeah. and then you have a second line that you kind of load up again, and then you put OEL and Hughes out there. And if those guys can can help you generate a couple of comebacks throughout the season because you can load up that way, well, yeah, it, it doesn't solve your, your biggest issues on the back end, but it can help you overcome it in certain moments. And at the end of the day, it's all about being able to cobble together enough points to make the playoffs. So this is... Pretty intriguing in, you know, the whole Hughes experiment is essentially just that. It's an experiment. And, okay, so we're going to get to see OEL Hughes tonight. I still think it's, I'm really curious to see how it looks. But let's say Hughes does move back to the left side. Are they just going to revert to essentially the pairings we saw last year? Hughes, Shen, OEL, Myers, and either Rathbone or Dermot with Tucker Pullman. I think that's a default. Yeah. I think the default goes to OEL, like you mentioned, OEL, Myers, Shen, and Hughes. Now, part of it's going to be, okay, how does Shen keep up? Playing that bigger role this year, is he a bit quicker? Is, is he a bit slower? How does he handle it at 33? And, and that's something he's going to have to answer. So maybe it's a short-term thing, and that may have to change as the season goes on. But that's a default, isn't it? Yeah. Would and, you try out? Would you try Hughes and Pullman again? Yeah, I wouldn't mind trying it. You can try it at yeah. times. I'm not against it. I mean, Hughes and Pullman didn't play together that much. And it they was, struggled a bit earlier in the season yeah. when the whole team was struggling. I don't mind trying it again at some point. Because, I mean, as I've said in the past, uh, in that sort of a role, all you would need, like you just kind of have to tell Tucker Pullman, be better Luke Shen. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it simple and just, uh, you know, let let Hughes do a lot of the heavy lifting, but you make sure to hold your own on the defensive side, make smart plays with the puck, and keep it simple as much as you can. Yeah. That's, that's essentially the mantra when you're playing with Quinn Hughes, but you still have, like, I don't know, is the most talent you can possibly give on the back end with both Rathbone and Dermot being a part of it? Because in that configuration, or almost in any configuration, one of them is going to get left out if Tucker Pullman's healthy. Dermot's underlying numbers were stronger than Pullman's, but he didn't play as tough of a role as Pullman did. Yeah. So the question is, can he perform as well as Pullman did, or even if you think it was substandard, can he perform to the same level or better than Pullman did last year? Considering how much emphasis they're putting on Pullman organizationally, I would say it seems like if Pullman is healthy, he's above Dermot, at least in the depth chart and in the power ranking for the organization. So Dermot's spot, and right now he's not skating, he's not feeling well is what the coach said. He uh, left the ice shaking at UBC a couple of days ago. Not much of an update. They say, they say he seems fine but not feeling well. I don't know what that means. After you don't, Is it a concussion? Is it not? No details. We don't know. So Injury news is hard to come by yes. with the Vancouver Canucks, yes. as we know. We'll get to the Nikaya thing in a few minutes. But So overall, it's hard to say. But if he's not ready to go, then it's an easy answer. 
Rathbone plays, maybe he fights it out with Burroughs. But it seems like if Pullman is ready to go, Dan, the battle for that sixth spot or that last left side spot comes on Dermot versus Rathbone. So Tucker Pullman uh, had a difficult offseason. There was a, a cloud around his injury. Uh, we remember he came back in April of last year. I believe it was a game against Vegas. Played one period or made it into the game, but did not make it far into the game. Uh, was removed from it after the first period and only played a handful of minutes. So I, I, I guess the concern is because he has done well enough to this point. Yeah. You know, does anything change when he really pushes it? And that's ultimately the unknown. He gets into his first preseason game here tonight. Uh, I, I know we've talked a lot about Danny DeKaiser. He's going to play with Tucker Pullman tonight. Uh, it, it feels like he's got an uphill battle to make the most of this PTO right now. Yeah, I don't really see much. Yeah. Hey, we'll have a when even a guy like later, Christian but... Rolanen is is essentially feeling like more of an option than DeKaiser is right now, I mean... Yeah, and, and Willannon's not a horrible depth option. A no. guy that can play some games for you here and there if you need be, and you know he, he can handle himself adequately. There isn't much there in terms of Danny DeKaiser, at least not so far. And he'll get a chance, and, and we'll see if he can look a little bit quicker and all that. that that's the biggest question. Bigger picture, um, on the Pullman stuff that you mentioned, and I think Gordy Locke makes a great point. He says on Twitter, I have no confidence Pullman can stay healthy. He was only fully cleared recently. To me, he'll always be one hit away from being out indefinitely. Ferlin always felt great until, you know, he played an actual game and, and things went awry for him. So this these becomes the tests. And I, and I think he'll get through the preseason games okay the first few ones. As the intensity picks up, how does he kind of handle that? And if he can play, then it's interesting yeah. about Dermot versus Rathbone. Because I think the team, if they had their way, they'd love to have both those guys playing. Because they both provide some speed and some talent to the team. And that's why DeKaiser, even if he played well... It's a hard time with Pullman being healthy, seeing how he's going to fit in, especially if Hughes moves off the right side. So I just don't know where his fit's going to be. But it's interesting on Pullman, too. How much of their emphasis on Pullman is that they actually believe in him and also in trying to rebuild some value for him? Uh, it, it would make a lot of sense. You know, the right shot D, I know, long term, but two and a half million bucks, it's not a huge salary to Two swallow. more years left now instead uh, of three years left. Yeah. So you know those are those are things that could make him attractive to another team. But again, he's got to get on the ice. Well, it's, it's kind of a moot point, and if he can't, oh, for he can't sure. back, get back on the ice and actually start rebuilding that. Hundred percent. And and I think you know I don't, I don't think they're lying when it comes to the qualities in Pullman's game that they like, Dan. But I wonder. If it's not hard to see the toolkit. You know, no, he's got some good size, sure. smart in his own end, really like good skater for a player of his size. It just like a lot of things last year, everything went sour for the Canucks pretty quickly. Well, it did. But you know, we joke around about him being uh, too YOLO. Him and Hammond yeah. were out there. It's like, listen, guys, do less. Yes. Like, you're doing too much. Like, I I love the courage and the the bravery and how you're trying to play and everything. But that's not your game. Yeah. Just like pass it off. Do relax. Less. Do less, and you, you'll be fine. But and I go and I look at it with the Dickinson thing too, because Dickinson right away is getting a chance to play center. 
Yes. He's getting a chance to, to be in a position where he's had success in the past and trying to rebuild the value for him. And I think part of it is, yes, they want to get the most out of him so he helps the team. But I think there's a big emphasis, too, to try to get some guys back to a level where they become assets for the team again. Because if you are holding on to Miller and Pedersen and you end up signing Horvat and you sign Besser and all these guys, well, where are you going to get value from elsewhere? Yeah. You know, and, and I think part of that is, and it goes back to the, this theme we've talked about, especially where Vancouver finds itself with a... A bit of an imperfect roster that has a lot of talent. They're capped out. They don't have a ton of prospects. How do you find little ways to gain value? How do you find little victories? Yeah. And an extra couple percent here and there. And those are the things you have to do. And part of it, I think, is going to have to be how do we get guys who are negative value just become somewhat valuable? And if you can find a way to just move that money off your books. And as much as you're trying to win this year, and it's not like it's all lip service, but I think trying to get guys value back is a big focus for this team this year as as we talked about with Hoaglander we're going to talk more about Hoaglander in the second hour of the show he is playing here tonight in this preseason game um, why was he on the outside of the roster looking in I mean he's still waivers exempt so I think you have to factor that in and how the team makes decisions on the roster especially when they're trying to rebuild some value with other players same thing goes for Pullman. If, if he's able to go, you want to see if he can play a big role, and not only because it helps the team, but it helps the team in so many different ways as a potential asset. Uh, Abu on Twitter, my defense to start the year would be Hughes, Pullman, OEL, Myers, Rathbone, Shen. Um, I don't mind that. Yep. It, it would be interesting. Um, Got to see how Pullman and Hughes play. I mean, and going back to the do less thing with Pullman, if you're playing with Quinn, you got to do less. Yes. You have to do less. Well, you, you, you talk to ex-NHL defenseman that played a stay-at-home role, and I'll tell you, man, I wish I played with uh, yeah. <laughs> with Quinn Hughes. Like, just give him the puck. I, I don't have to do anything. Just no, give him the puck. And that's not to say that you can't do things offensively or get creative. You've seen Shen know when to pick his spots? Because there will be times where a lane opens up and you yeah. got to go. You know what I mean? You, you can't just be, you know, you can't just be ultra conservative and hold back the whole time. You got to take advantage of them overloading or, and, you know, maybe not paying attention to you every once in a while. That goal against Anaheim where Shen comes, just like... Yeah, uh, beautiful comes in. What a goal. What a deke. It just goes, you know, top shelf. Those are the types of things that can happen. So, you know, he's going to get some opportunities and moments, but you got to reel it in. Unless you're a guy like OEL and a guy who's a very, you know, much more talented hockey player then you can maybe be a bit more aggressive because you guys can play each off each other a bit more your skill set allows for you to you know get out of position every once in a while but if you're a Pullman type and a Shen type you gotta do less Rathbone slated to play with Kyle Burrows so our first chance uh, to look at Burrows this evening as well and Burrows another one of the forgotten men given all the storylines around the D this year but you know, did provide a lot for this team last year. Um, wasn't expected of much, and here's a guy who can yeah. play in a third-pairing role when you need and bring some toughness. So still on the radar. So there's, I, I still think there's some battles here and a lot of figuring out that the Canucks are trying to do on the back end, even if we more or less understand who's likely to make the team. Yeah. It's sort of figuring out what's the best way to deploy everything. Now... On Ilya Mikheyev, I wake up this morning in bed, scrolling through Twitter, and I see Jason Bruff tweet out, Ugh, Frank Saravalli just told us there's concern Ilya Mikheyev has a torn ACL. 
minutes later, Irfan Gafar, uh, I think it was about 20 minutes. The famous 20 minutes now in Canucks history. <laughs> the 20 minutes of stress. <laughs> it's uh, it's not too dissimilar from, you know, the 20 minutes of uh, between Stamkos re-signing in Tampa and then Shea Weber getting traded for, for P.K. Subban. But um, 20 minutes passes and Irfan Gafar tweets out uh, that – Ilya McKayev has a lower body injury and could skate as early as tomorrow. It's kind of just going with this theme of not knowing exactly what's going on with the Canucks and their injury situations after what happened with Besser, precautionary, then he's getting surgery a couple days later. Uh, what was your read of what happened with Ilya Mikheyev today? Uh, I woke up at like 7.45 today. Oh, you slept in? I slept in today. And uh, <laughs> I slept in. So I slept in, and then I was on. The, I woke up, and I got a phone call right away. I was on the phone, and then I saw you know, my phone started blowing up while I was on, having a phone conversation, and I'm like, oh, Mikheyev's done for the season? What? What? I'm like this. I'm like everything I kind of heard asking around was same. I, you know, like <laughs> hey, hey it might be longer than Besser. It might be you know three weeks or a bit longer, or yeah. whatever it is. But it's it's nothing to be too worried about. And I was I was making calls or whatever, and I could get off the phone. I'm trying to figure out what was going on, and then I see Earth called me, and I see Earth text, and I see Earth the tweet, and all the stuff. And I'm like, all right, so I guess he he's okay. So my reaction was. A bit of a, a a bit of a shock initially, and yeah. I had cobwebs still because I was half asleep. I hadn't had my coffee yet. You didn't have your spro yet. I hadn't had my spro yet. I wasn't really I wasn't really up to what, what was going on. But one thing that is I think evident here, and I got the sense talking to people was that there was you know some evaluation going on with Mikheyev. Maybe it was more than one opinion on Mikheyev's injury, and maybe they had to get some clarity on the nature of the injury, and maybe in the process of trying to get that clarity, for one moment there was some concern the injury could be worse than it actually was. Those things can all be possible, and when it comes to trying to report on injuries, and we joked about this so much, like it's, it's a perilous yeah. job, and the team doesn't provide anything. If we're trying to provide information for the fans, if fans want to know what's going on, you're kind of left trying to get it from outside sources and trying to dig for it and stuff like that. So and so I think I don't know what happened exactly, but I do think maybe for a moment there may have been some concern about Mikheyev, which ended up being, you know, alleviated. Uh Bruce Boudreaux did say today that uh they hope he'll skate next week. So there is still some uncertainty of when exactly Ilya Mikheyev will be able to get back onto the ice and ultimately, that is the big story here. New player coming to a new team. They're hoping he can, you know, really jive in an elevated role. And now you're you're not sure how much of a uh, feeling out process he's going to get here in preseason other than, you know, a period and a half with Elias Pettersson. And if it actually is a knee injury, I mean, is it the type of injury that, is going to bug him right again as the season goes on is it going to impede one of his greatest assets which is his speed which is something that is such a big part of how he is effective and what's almost one really of those needs. things like just get a hundred percent and then we'll exactly we'll get you back in the lineup and because we don't get any updates on things like we yep. don't know so so hopefully he's fine but uh it was a very stressful morning and i do and i will say because i mean i think all of us we've been joking about how the canucks injury updates go from you know a couple of days to next thing you know this guy's out or whatever um 
I don't think any of us would have been completely shocked if Mikheyev was actually done for the season. So I think that's why you had that, you know, overreaction initially to it because I think everybody kind of was, was like, well, I guess this kind of fits with what's been going on recently. So, yeah, why doubt it? Uh, it's it's just the crazy world of NHL injuries here in, in preseason. Um, you know, if you're following along with other teams, you know, you can look at – uh, Trevor Zegras's situation right now took a took a rough hit last night with the Anaheim Ducks. They're ve- being very careful about what they give out publicly. Um, the Toronto Maple Leafs first said John Tavares was day to day. Next thing you know, he's out a minimum of three weeks. All of this is to say, this isn't a Vancouver. <laughs> Canucks issue. This is an NHL issue where injuries and actual injury news is very hard to come by, at least anything that's concrete, because oftentimes things do change in uh, the world of injuries. All right, Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw. Coming up, David Pignota is going to join us, and we'll get into some stuff around the league with him. Rasmus Sandin getting a new contract, some injury notes around the NHL as well. That's coming up with David Pignota on Sportsnet 650. Canucks Central from the Kintech studio on the road here at Rogers Arena. It's Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Canucks Central is brought to you by Grip Auto and Tire, quality service you can trust, and 14 locations to serve you. A uh, really interesting story came out today, Sat. Uh, McDonald's is bringing in adult Happy Meals for a limited time. Uh, I don't quite understand adult Happy Meals. Why so not? You the, get you get like a you get a classic toy with your meal. So you get a regular meal plus a toy. Yeah. So you pay extra to get a toy. I don't know, but you get a toy. <laughs> Why would I want a toy? <laughs> Why do I want to bring more stuff to my place? That I don't need. Don't you know, like, some of this McDonald's stuff is going to be actually, like, uh, valuable? Why? Like, old McDonald's hockey cards, certain ones ended up being pretty expensive. So you got to be, like, a hoarder then. Like, save everything you get for, for the hope of one day <laughs> and having value? Yes. Like, Jeez. let's say you get a Happy Meal and you get the Hamburglar toy to come with it. It might be, uh, might be worth a few quid over on eBay. Storage space is expensive in Vancouver. <laughs> Can't be collecting toys and stuff. Uh, here's our next guest, David Pignota of the fourth period. You, uh, I just found out today McDonald's is bringing in uh, adult Happy Meals. Are you, uh, are, are you going to go for one? Uh, I'm not going to lie, guys. I, I'm, I'm not a big McDonald's kind of guy. So, oh, yeah, right. yeah. I mean, uh, I'll, 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 I'll smash a, you know, some fries every now and again. A little like Maybe McMuffin action in the morning. Maybe. No, no, don't even, nope. don't even go that direction. <laughs> No. So I I, uh, I went to a McDonald's in Italy. I don't know if you guys know this, um, which is probably blasphemic given how many great meals you can have in Italy. But you know we were on the run, so we ended up stopping at uh, at McDonald's. Did you know you can get uh, like just like little bricks of yeah. Parmigiano Reggiano at McDonald's in Italy? <laughs> That's yeah. great. It's yeah, like it's a buck. Good. They give you a little brick of a uh, little brick of cheese. It's amazing. 
They, so it, in different parts of Europe, the McDonald's there have something that is obviously local. So yeah. they got something similar in, in – um, there's a different type of McFish or McSomething in, in Sweden mm-hmm. uh, that I saw. And, yeah, it's just every little spot they got like some little – something to cater to the, to the locals. Something to draw you in and sucker you into buying all that food. All right, clearly I'm the only one that's uh, still eating McDonald's more I, regularly. I am than not these against two, so. having some McDonald's every once in a while, Dan. I'm just not lining up to go buy an adult Happy Meal. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's get into some hockey talk. Uh, Dan Richo, Satyar Show. I don't know if you saw. There was a little bit of. Um, Injury news uh, this yes. morning in, in Vancouver with Ilya Mikheyev, uh, your colleague, is, uh, yeah. <laughs> Irfan Gafar, maybe calm the waters for, for the time being. I guess, yeah. you know, like, I, I think the conversation coming out of it is, you know, is the NHL ever going to be more transparent about the injuries to their players? The, the short answer for the short term, or the quick answer for the short term, is no. Um, they're they're not going to do that because, I mean, they're not getting backlash from partners and the sports betting partners and all that stuff that they. Which I'm I'm surprised that, by that, that especially on the like MGM and the gambling front. Yeah, yeah, and and, and I've talked to some people on uh, with some of those companies with with a few other brands, and there's there's. Betway and and you know Bet Nine Nine and all these other ones that are out there and this and that and the other and I mean you know the the league is is pretty comfortable with how things are going on that front and if they can you know get away with with not specifying specific injuries at times of the year whether it's I guess camp uh, middle of the season or playoffs mm-hmm. um, until that starts to shift they're gonna just stick with status quo now in this particular case. Yeah, there was an initial scare that this could have been a bigger injury to Ilya Mikheyev, but um, thankfully it's not. He's been walking around. He's he's been you know working out off the ice. He's um, it sounds like he might even hit the ice as early as tomorrow. I know I think Bruce mentioned next week, but th- there's a chance he might at least get out there sometime either tomorrow or this weekend to kind of stretch things out. But mm-hmm. um, not nearly as bad, and, and definitely not a long-term thing. So certainly good news. But there there was an initial scare. Um, that it could have been something more serious, but obviously not the case. Yeah, and I think that's you nailed it. I think there was a bit of a scare at one point, and when the team's not being transparent about this sort of stuff because they don't have to be, and this organization is very careful with trying to allow information to come out. So I can understand how stuff kind of, you know, wasn't completely – I mean, and, and, you know, that's the big thing, too, to keep in mind with this front office, with the way they were built. I think – I think they're very, very serious about not letting stuff get out, get out one way or another. I think they're very like yeah. I, I'm not saying other organizations aren't like this. They are, and even the previous regime, they wanted to keep things in and would still get out one way or another. But it seems like these guys are super focused on on not letting anything come out. Yeah, and and I mean, obviously, I get it. Um, it makes our jobs much more difficult, but uh, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I I totally get that, and I think that mentality. Um, really escalated around the summer and around the draft and with all the talk that was surrounding the team and the JT Miller stuff and the Islanders and all kinds of other stuff that was out there. Um, you know, they, they I, I sounded like they wanted to kind of get a stranglehold on, on that and try to minimize um, as best they can info that does, uh, you know, kind of get out there. And there are other teams that obviously have a tight ship as well. 
um, that, you know, try to be a little bit more transparent with the local media that at least in a sense that they're, they're the ones that are controlling that message. And it's also, you know, sidebar for them is to try to minimize other information that kind of gets out, but, you know, eventually stuff does get out and, and, you know, you got to address it. Um, and, And with the injury situation, you're right. It does make things a little bit more difficult, especially, you know, once you hear one thing, you try to speculate, you don't want to speculate, but you're hearing other stuff and, you know, things kind of get a little, a little murky. Um, but I mean, that's, that's just the nature of the beast as part of this. So with that being said, what's the latest on Bo Horvat's contract, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for something there. Yeah. No, um, I know there's yeah. not a ton there right now though. No. And, and I, I wonder if this is going to be similar to how things worked out with JT, where it was like, all right, let's stop messing around here and let's just get this done. Um, you know, whatever, a day, day and a half that it took when, when they when push came to shove for his deal. I, I wonder if it gets to that. I don't get a sense right now anyway that it's there yet um, from, from that side of things. But, look, he's made, he's made it clear he wants to stay. There's no question the team would like to, you know, kind of hold on to him. But, um, you know, given the circumstances of just negotiations in general, do you want to tip your hat a little to it? Uh, you know, too soon. Um, and yes, it would be in a perfect world. You know, you want to get something done by the time the regular season gets underway in a couple of weeks. Uh, but, you know, you, at, the same, at the same time, you don't want to rush things. You look at other guys that are trying to get extensions done. Mackenzie Weger, for example, um, in, in Calgary, they'd like to get something done by the start of the regular season. You know, Pasternak in, in, in Boston, those talks have picked up. And then you still have restricted free agents that are trying to get things locked in with Jason Robertson in Dallas, Nick Hag in Vegas, and, and Alex Formington in, in, in Ottawa. So, you know, sometimes these things just take longer than others. Um, but, yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting to see how this kind of unfolds because it doesn't sound like there's a ton of progress just yet. Um, but, you know, I'll preface it by saying a similar situation was going on with J.T. Miller, and then all of a sudden they got it done in a, in, in a day and a half. So it could get there. I don't know if it's there yet, though. Well, and, you know, you're right. What they've shown is if they want to do something, they can get something done. And everything they've said about Bo, it's kind of gone the other way, was he's a priority, we'll think we'll get this done. But it doesn't, like, the words haven't matched the actions with Bo. And and I suppose the the biggest problem, potentially, if you actually want to keep the player, is if the player going through this type of a negotiation and if he ends up getting frustrated or ends up feeling slighted at some point, they say, you know what, I, yeah, I'll stay, but I'm not taking a discount. Like, if you want to pay me, you pay me right. market rate, and that's what it's going to be. And if you don't want to do that, then maybe it is time for me to go elsewhere. I mean, I think that's the only concern, so to speak, if they actually want to keep him. If they don't, well, you're playing it out, you're trading him at some point. But I think that's my only concern about the situation. If you want to get both signed to a nice number, then there might have to be some massaging of the situation. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, these guys are big boys. They'll, they'll be able to, you know, pull up the pants and get things done when they need to, um, you know, but, and the same from the managerial side, too. It's like, okay, look, we want, we want this guy. It's time to man up and, and get a deal done, um, you know, kind of thing. Let's, again, go, I, I go back to what happened with J.T. Miller. It was just so – I remember coming on, we were talking about, uh, they're talking, but there's not really much going on, and, you know, unless something changes, well – yeah, something did change in, in, a, in pretty short order. So, you know, it's some, sometimes it takes that. Other times you do have this, this long, prolonged negotiation period, and it makes things tougher. Um, 
you know, from a, from a relationship standpoint. But if you can get to whatever the agreement is, is, is going to be, if they can get there, that all that stuff gets pushed aside and, and, you know, it's smiles and rainbows again, but it, it can certainly be tough um, within that period until, until a new deal is done. And, and you're right. I mean, he may have a change and say, look, this is just not going the way I thought it was. I want to put a halt to talks so I can focus on the season. Maybe there's somebody revisits it in the middle of the year. Maybe not. Um, maybe it waits till the end of the season. And then obviously there's risks on both sides when you get to that period. Well, I think, um, you know, like, even the the contract that was signed today by by Rasmus Sandin, you know, the Leafs made it very clear, this is our number, this is the contract, either take it or you're sitting out, essentially. And eventually, Sandin came to his senses and and he just signed the contract. It's a little bit different when you're an RFA and you know you're kind of stuck negotiating with with just the one team, essentially. But yeah. it it feels like that's that's what this is going to come down to as well. You know. Um, uh, with with JT Miller, the Canucks decided, okay, we're gonna go a little bit higher to get this deal done. I just I, I wonder if they they put that onus more on Bo to be like, you're the one who's gonna have to come down to get this done. Do they play a little bit more hardball with Bo? I think you know that's that's essentially the crux of every negotiation. Who's who's going to get closer to the middle ground? Which one? Which side is going to break first? Right. Yeah, and, and look, and, and at the end of the day, regardless of what side teeters, I mean, it doesn't really matter as long as both sides are going to be ultimately happy with the deal. Uh, you know, if a player just says, all right, the heck with this, I'll just sign this deal, and he's going to be grumpy and, you know, bitch and moan and complain the whole time, then, well, that's not good for the team either. Uh, well, poor me, I'm making and I'm $7 saying, million. Dollars. Uh, that's, that sounds yeah, terrible. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, for us, yeah, I mean, I'll take the deal. But, you know, for these guys, it's, it's a different kind of world, and, and I yeah. get that, but um, yeah, look, it, it, I, I don't, uh, can it get to that point? Sure. I mean, it could get to that point with anybody. Um, I just, I just think this is, you know, we're still in that hardball period, um, right now. And this, you know, quasi fake deadline of the start of the season that that's out there for guys on expiring deals, you know, it certainly adds urgency. Um, but it's not the end all and be all. If you want to get a, a deal done, even if you say, look, we're not going to talk midseason. If you come December 1st and say, all right, we just want to make this happen. Here's our number. We're caving on this side. We're, we're giving a little on this side. We want you to give a little on that side. Again, sometimes it takes a phone call and, and somebody just sucking it up to say, look, we, we just want to make this happen. But, um, you know, you're dealing with your captain. You're dealing with a guy that's a couple of years younger than JT. That's going to factor into the negotiation, certainly. Um, I mean, they just they just need to get there, and you know we're still in wait and see mode. Now, obviously, uh, I mean, the biggest story around this organization was off the ice with with uh, the situations that have been yeah. going on and everything too. So, I mean, it's one of those things that would you be surprised if uh, a deal comes through? You know, maybe bring some good news in here. Uh, no, um, I, I would not be surprised uh, because you know sometimes when there is a little bit of negative publicity around a team. Um, you try to sugarcoat that with some good stuff. And obviously getting your captain locked into an extension is certainly something good there. I mean, other teams have gone through this process as well. Something bad kind of happens or whatever it is that kind of comes out that, that puts a negative spin. And, hey, we signed this guy. Hey, we traded for that guy. Hey, look at, look at all this good stuff. So, I mean, if we're looking at it from that perspective, um, now would be a great time. 
to announce some type of deal here. But, um, you know, it, it, the hockey ops, they obviously have their job to do, and they're going to make sure and that they do what they feel is best for, uh, for the organization, regardless of what be, may be happening off of it. David Pignota, our guest. Uh, so are the Dallas Stars just, like, going to start the season without their leading goal scorer or what? <laughs> um, well, it, it seems like it, a big deal that they get this guy signed and playing, no? It, it would make, yeah. I mean, you certainly want him there. Like, you know, you got two weeks till the season. Um, he's already a little bit behind the eight ball, even though he's been skating, um, you know, obviously away from the team. Um, you know, his teammates would love to have him, and, and he'd certainly love to get there. But, I mean, this is, this is a tricky this is a tricky one uh, because of what he's been able to do, what his numbers have, have shown in his first few seasons of the NHL, especially after the campaign that he had, you know, last season. This isn't a, you know, $7 million, uh, just take it because, you know, Petey, for example, signed for seven point whatever. I mean, um, it, this, this is not that type of, of, you know, situation. There's a lot more hardball there. And especially when your owner comes out and says, well, I don't like giving guys in their second deals big money. Um, you know, it doesn't really help the process. So, so he, does, he doesn't situation. like giving big money to Sagan or Ben, and he doesn't like giving money to younger players. Like, well, you know, I, <laughs> right. I don't know. Tom Gillardi's kind of talking out of both sides of his you-know-what. Well, yeah, and you know, <laughs> his, the restaurant business is doing well. They're expanding everywhere. They've got to have money somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I, you know, i got to think that, that obviously, look, they want to get this done. I, I certainly got to think that, that both sides obviously want to get this done before the regular season. But, again, this is a scenario where – you know, if you're not close, and, and clearly it's not strictly based on, you know, okay, it, it's it's a seven, like, let's just make it seven and a half across the board and let's call it a day. There's other factors that come into play here, especially, you know, potential qualifying offer at the end of the deal. What's the final year on that third year going to be? You know, they can't really go to a long-term deal that's going to result in a much higher AAV and, and a commitment from the team. And if they do that, and that was, that's effectively going to result in, in somebody else on this team moving out because they don't have the cap space to accommodate it. So it's it's tricky. Um, there's no question. Nick Hag in Vegas, I mean, that's another one. He's back in Ontario um, skating, I think, in Kitchener right now. He might go to Mississauga to skate with that team too um, to, to try to get things going if this does prolong even further. So, I mean, you know, tough scenarios for both of these clubs. Um, and, and, you know, without question, you know, Robertson is uh, a, a key cog to their core in Dallas um, but you know it's a, it's a very tricky situation and Pat Brisson, his agent uh, over at CAA he's gone through this a number of times um, you know he's, he's basically holding the fork down for his guy yeah I mean and you know the, the other thing that I've been wondering about is we oftentimes see a big trade at the end of training camp you know and in the preseason and stuff like that if you're trying to handicap the team most likely to make a big trade is it the Blackhawks with like one of Taves or Kane no, I, I don't. I don't think that happens before. I think those are both midseason, or at least one of them. Anyway, I'm still on the fence as to whether or not Jonathan Taves ends up getting dealt uh, at some point this season. Um, I, I think it's very likely, not a guarantee, but I'll say very likely that Patrick Kane has moved. I, I just don't see either of those two things happening before the season. Yeah, there's a lot, and, and I, you know, we talked about trying to spread good news and this and that from the organization and, and trying to, you know close the holes in the leaks. I mean, Chicago has been doing a hell of a job locally trying to mm-hmm. quiet down all the outside noise, because I can tell you for a fact from the information that I've been told from other teams as well, 
Um, they have had conversations with the Blackhawks over the course of the summer um, about potentially going after Patrick Kane and trying to make a trade and how's that going to work. Um, I believe he and his agent have had permission to talk to other teams. Um, those conversations took place with a few of them. Obviously, they're not there yet, and he has to be ready to, to do that as well. He has full control in that situation. So does Jonathan Taves with respect to a no-movement clause. So I don't think we're going to see much. I mean, I'd be – again, it's possible. I'd be surprised if it happens before the start of the season. Um, for me, in terms of big movement, I mean, uh, my eyes shift back to Arizona and to what's going to happen with, with Jacob Chikrin. Those talks since last week when he came out and said – you know, from the horse's mouth. Yep, I'm just waiting for a trade at this point. Uh, I'm ready for it. Those conversations have definitely picked up in, in the last week or so. And that's certainly, I would imagine, going to intensify as the next couple of weeks progress before we drop the puck on the regular season. So, uh, Prague on Sunday? That's right, yep. Earth uh, and I are, are, he's got a bit of a longer trip because obviously he's got to come to yeah. Toronto. And then from here, we head over. But, uh, yeah, going to Prague, for the week um, for the NHL Global Series. Nashville and San Jose play on the 7th and 8th to officially start the regular season. Uh, so we'll be over there. I have not um, I've not been to Prague. Uh, this is the first time looking forward to it. And I, So when I come back, I'll be able to tell you if the McDonald's there has any special local dish. In, uh, that, that pierogies, uh, I don't know what they have there. I have no idea. I know a friend of the show, former Canuck, Shane O'Brien, might have some uh, Prague... Uh... Some, yes. some prog recommendations for you. Yeah, uh, he, yeah he, Ovi actually told me he's going to send over a couple a couple <laughs> uh, pages worth of lists. So I, I'm just waiting on that. Uh, Pags, you're the best. Thanks for this. You got it. See you, boys. Uh, there's David Pinota of the fourth period joining us uh, just before leaving for Prague. Yeah, good times coming up. I want to go to Prague. Yeah. Can we do Canucks Central in Prague? We Even could. without the Canucks playing there? We, I mean, we can do Canucks Central from anywhere. Yes, we could. We could. All we need is a TV so we can watch the games. Kintec Studio on the road. We can go anywhere. Yeah, man. Especially nowadays with technology. You need a microphone, <laughs> computer, that's it. Uh, so those couple of games are happening. Uh, still some interesting stories around the league, uh, as mentioned there. You know, The Jacob Chikrin thing. Is this guy ever going to get traded? It feels like the longest saga uh, of anything going right now, you know, and yet there he is. Even for the Dallas Stars, I mean, what are you waiting for? Get Nick Robertson done, you know? Like, uh, I keep saying Nick Robertson. I don't know what it is you and, I mean, producer uh, Josh Elliott Wolf back in Mission Control just, like, got on our ears, Jason. I'm stuck on uh, Nick Robertson because I'm a big Toronto boy. Yeah, you know? seems like it. Can't shake it. <laughs> you, you can take the kid out of Toronto. You can't take the Toronto out of the that's kid. That's a lie. Stop it. Maybe that's why uh, Gillardi's confused. He's like, why would I pay Nick Robertson? <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> why am I paying this guy? He's not in the NHL. <laughs> That's uh, it's a very very realistic possibility. Josh, would you get a, a adult Happy Meal? Uh, probably not. Same reason as Sat. Like I don't need a toy in my house. I'm just gonna <laughs> throw it in the garbage in like yeah, a week. Not. Maybe you could like give the toy to a younger cousin or something. Just... Then go buy your cousin a Happy Meal. <laughs> yeah, they can get regular Happy Meals. <laughs> so like, does Vancouver have like a any sort of local thing? At at uh, at a Mickey D's. Well, table saw James said McSushi, which you know. Um, how about like a salmon burger? Mm. Yeah, a salmon burger would work. Yeah, 
Like, like a sockeye salmon burger. Yeah, though. sockeye salmon burger. Like I mean, you you know how they fillet o fish? Yeah. Do like a fillet o fish salmon style. I would I would be down for that. McSushi. I don't know. We're giving them too many ideas and too much uh, free advertising here. Anyways, I might uh, might be getting an adult Happy Meal if they're if they're selling them in Canada. Just, just, throwing just that an out excuse there. to go to McDonald's. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it's been a while. Actually, I've been I've been good recently. Uh, Dan Richo, Satyar Shah, coming up hour two of the show. Uh, more on uh, the Vancouver Canucks as preseason rolls on. What is going to happen tonight between the Canucks and Seattle Kraken? How big is this opportunity tonight for Nils Hoaglander? That's coming up next. Canucks preseason coverage on Sports at 650 is brought to you by Black and Lee. Suiting up has never been easier with suits and tuxedos in a modern wide range of colors, styles, and fits. Blackandlee.com. You are listening to Canucks Central.